In a world of black headphones, why did Apple decide to go with white? And what can this teach us in the wedding industry? Welcome, I'm Andreas, photographer, marketeer and educator. I wish to give you proven ways to see your work with fresh eyes, find your sense of purpose and connect with the people who need to hear your message now more than ever. One wedding at a time, you have the power to tell stories that can inspire change to the better. No matter whether you're a photographer, planner, florist, venue owner or calligrapher, I am making this for you. Because instead of competing for attention, now is the time to create art that matters. When the iPod entered the arena in late 2001, Apple wasn't alone. Competitors continued to make their own versions, but nothing caught people's attention. In just a matter of two years, iPods had 92% of the digital audio player market. Why did this happen? Well, it could not have been the features. Many of its competitors could easily beat iPods when it comes purely on specs. Apple wasn't the first in the market. By the launch of the iPod in 2001, there were approximately 50 portable MP3 players available. None of them ever came close to achieving the astonishing dominance that Sony's Walkman had enjoyed 20 years earlier, and then the iPod within just two years of its launch. But you see, before iPods, MP3 devices were just that, devices. Even worse, they are personal devices. Being personal is a bad thing, because all MP3 products lack a very important component. They are not social. You cannot share the joy of music with anyone, and non-social stuff lack the ability to spread in the social network. Yet, the spread of iPods is one of epic proportions resembling the viral spread of a virus epidemic. Apple is one of those companies that understand really well that the product needs to have a social component, a network effect, for it to diffuse through the market. Their MacBooks have a shiny logo, one which in the past was in fact even backlit. Apple has created more than beautiful products and interfaces. It gave users reasons and made it easy for them to brag about their owning of a product. If any of you stuck an Apple sticker on your bumper, then you know what I'm talking about. Steve Jobs might have created the first company of its kind to ever engulf the diffusion of innovation through social contagion. With iPods, though, things were much harder. Apple knew from the beginning that their users wanted, needed, and should brag about their new Apple product. So what Apple did with iPod was a pure stroke of genius, an innovation that some claim to be even greater, at least from a marketing perspective, than the very iPod itself. And that's none else than white earbuds. 
So, in a world of black headphones, why did Apple decide to go with white? Before Apple came along, headphone cords were always black. That's the way it was. Probably because no one else before had any reason to make them otherwise. Black headphones were a generic device that served no other reason than to produce sound directly in one's ear. This wasn't good enough for Apple. Because if iPods spend most of their time in users' pockets, then how could you tell you were listening to an iPod versus any other generic device? Apple turned its earbuds into a visual signal, a sort of airborne virus spreading around with a powerful story. I am different. Telltale white earbuds indicate to viewers that their user ascribes to certain notions of coolness and style. That's a lot of information contained in just a few grams of white plastic and wire. Every successful business ever contains an element that makes social contagion possible. The first person who owned a fax machine lived in a very lonely place, but that forced them to talk about it. The idea of a fax machine itself had embedded in its own design the very method of its spread. The first thing that fax machine owners wanted to do was to get their friends and colleagues to buy one too. And this led to an epidemic. When enough people owned a fax machine, it pushed everyone to get one. Here's one thing that remains constant in each and every product or service that spreads like a virus. It does not spread by virtue of its specifications. Products and services do not spread. It is ideas that spread. The first takeaway is that we need to shift our mentality from selling a service to selling an idea. Or, to rephrase, people do not buy services, they do not buy photography, they do not buy tablescapes and beautiful flowers, they do not buy makeup. So what do they buy? They buy a story worth telling themselves about themselves. If you want one single phrase to describe what an idea is and what is not, here it is. People do not buy what you make, but what it will do for them. In the end, every decision we make translates into an internal narrative which taps into our emotions about elusive stuff such as Who am I? And where do I stand in the world? And this is what an idea boils down to. So what are iPods? An idea. A story. It answers this question of Who am I? And where do I stand? It says I'm different. I have taste. I am an early adopter of radical ideas and I value all this enough to pay two times more than the average price of the generic MP3 player because it's not the iPod that matters. It's my place in the world that does. And this is how your services and your products spread. This is marketing. Once you give a place to people to belong, 
they will pay multiple times over the average price and they will tell others too. I reiterate for emphasis, services do not spread, ideas do. As marketeers, what we do is design a virus. So let's explore another product, one that failed to do this. Do you remember the Sex and the City episode where Miranda announces that she's acquired a new boyfriend, one that cannot break its promise, one that knows all her favorite shows like Jules and Mimi and lovingly records them for her? Her boyfriend was none else than a TiVo. TiVo made a name for itself with a set-top box that performed magic, the magic of time travel. You could pause live TV or cable or slip into the past to rewatch your shows or even leap over ads into the future. TiVo was a type of digital video recorder way better than anything seen before. And while it is easy to see how a device like this could be a game-changer in the pre-streaming world, still it repeatedly failed to gain traction. And there are many speculations as to why. But I think the most critical one is this. TiVo was advertised as a product, not as an idea. So what was the idea that TiVo failed to communicate? That TiVo is not a device. TiVo is a lifestyle. As a TiVo owner, you are a non-conformist. You refuse to put a pause on your life just to blindly obey the programming schedule dictated by a TV company. You value your freedom enough so as not to stop the flow of your daily routine just to watch your favorite program at a specific time. You'd rather be out in the park with your friends and let TiVo record your programs. So, what TiVo in essence does is not record. What TiVo does is allow you not to pose your life. It gives you freedom. And this is much grander than TiVo ever gave themselves credit for. From the lifestyle revolution they could be, they diminished themselves to just a set-top box. Had TiVo managed to sell the idea, it would have no problem spreading like an epidemic because unlike iPods, TiVo is something you can enjoy with your friends. It wouldn't be long before your friends said, hey, I want one of these awesome things as well. I don't want to pause my life for TV. I too want freedom. So, have an idea. An idea that answers a question that is as deep as where do I belong and what do people like me do? Then, engineer your idea so it can spread like a virus. Luckily for us in the wedding industry, the second component is easier. The things we make are by design social. They have a social component, makeup, event design, entertainment, catering, photography, they are all supposed to be seen. They are supposed to be enjoyed within a social context. But what is missing in most cases of marketing in the wedding industry is 
the idea, the vision, not what you do, not what your service is, but what will it do for them. So when I photograph, I'm not really capturing beauty and connection. I am instead giving people a story to tell themselves about themselves, that they deserve to be seen as remarkable people with stature and dignity. When a makeup artist is creating bridal makeup, she's not applying foundation. She's priming the story of, I am beautiful and I deserve the best. When a florist is creating flowers, she is not creating beauty. She is creating an atmosphere which enables human connection. When an event designer is designing an event, she is doing much more than that. She is understanding the worldview of her couple and positioning them in the eyes of their guests as the people they want to be. Similarly, when we are promoting photography workshops, we are not selling technical knowledge. We are offering a pathway towards a thriving life with more meaning where you can create work that matters for people who care. Each and every promise, of course, must be one you are willing to make, but also keep. Indeed, weddings already have a social component to them. Yet, this is not to say that there is no ground for you to engineer a social component more intentionally. Here's an example. Why not create a gallery reveal party? Instead of just sending an online gallery of photos to your couple, how about teaming up with a planner and create a gallery reveal party? so that the couple and their friends can gather and see the gallery together for the first time. Sure, this is not for all couples, but for couples who do this, the added social component will add multiple layers of benefit. So how would this work? Well, firstly, you do not even have to host it. You can simply suggest it to your couples and let them organize it as they wish. You would be surprised by how many couples of mine host their own reveal party once I simply suggested to them, either in a casual setting like their home or more formally. Or you can do it online. You can create a small selection of the best images and create a short emotional video with music and stream it at a specific time to a private group of people. Because there is something fantastic about giving people a place in time and space for them to connect over something as meaningful as their best friend's wedding photos. In fact, this could be such an amazing add-on service in any gallery delivery platform. And yes, this would require more work on your behalf, but it would be so much more personal and social than just sending out a link in an email. Once you allow people to connect around your service, then you are allowing for the magic of social epidemic to happen. Because magic happens at the connection points. If your product, your service creates these connection points, then you are no longer a photographer. You are 
an artist in your own gallery exhibition and viewers are your fans. Like always, you can find the show notes for this episode on the website andreaskgeorgiou.com slash podcast. There, you will also find a big yellow button for you to record your questions about any episode. I need your questions. Your questions is what will keep this podcast going. So if you have half a minute to spend, go on to the website. You do not need any special software and all you have to do is click the record button. I need to hear from you. Until then, be well and thanks for listening.